So are you a mountain person? Our students took a little trip up to the mountains, got some apples yesterday. I love the mountains. I mean, I love the mountains. I had somebody years ago, they said, hey, Dow, what do you do when you get stressed out? I said, I drive to the mountains and I eat barbecue. And I'm good. It's fine. It's all I need. A little drive in the mountains, a little barbecue. It's fine. Now, in the last few years, it's a little harder for me to get to the mountains. So now I just eat barbecue and I'm still fine. It's okay. You know, that, that usually works. I can, I can roll with that. It's not a problem. Some people don't realize that mountains are great comedians because they are basically hill areas. Hill areas. Hilarious. There you go. You'll get it after lunch and it'll be fine and you'll laugh. In 2012, at a high school graduation speech, English teacher David McCullough Jr. said these words, climb the mountain not to plant your flag, but to embrace the challenge. Enjoy the air and behold the view. And then he said this, climb it so you can see the world, not so the world can see you. In other words, whatever you have to do in life, do this one thing. Gain this, enjoy this, embrace this, keep this, and that one thing is perspective. Perspective changes everything. See, the thing that the mountains will do is it reminds us when we get that perspective that there's always a higher view. There's always something else that can be seen that we can't see from where we are, vision that we don't have. And why is that important? Why is it so important to have perspective? Well, here's why. Because life is not basically hill areas, is it? Life is not always fun and funny. Life is full of difficult moments, hard moments, tragic moments. There's no way around it in life. And because life is so overwhelming and frustrating, frustrating and hard, all the more reason to gain some perspective. For the hard moments to have perspective. So what's one way we can gain perspective? What's, what's, what's one thing we can do, one thing that will help us overcome the moments when our minds are thumping in anger? When our, our eyes are weeping with tears, when our hearts are racing with anxiety, what's, what's one thing that we can do to overcome those moments? Well, let's see if we can find out. Lamentations chapter 2, and we are beginning with verse 18. Their heart cried out to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let your tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief. Let your eyes have no rest. Ever felt that way? Ever felt like there was, there was no relief? There was no rest? Have you ever had a moment where you felt like that you were crying rivers of tears and it would last days and weeks and it seemed like it would never go away? 29 days ago, a 7.2 magnitude earthquake struck Haiti. It was 8.29 in the morning. It was very similar to an earthquake that struck Haiti in 2010, which was 7.0 magnitude. In 2010, 
more than 200,000 people lost their lives. In fact, the description is that the presidential palace, the parliament, the ministry of health, other government buildings completely collapsed. In other words, the entire infrastructure of the nation collapsed. It was completely devastated. That's a similar picture to what we have with Jerusalem about 600 years before Jesus was born. It was complete and utter devastation. The, the church-going people were part of that, and, and they lost everything. They were forced to, to flee to other countries as refugees. It was utter devastation. Now, we just can't relate. I mean, we can't. Sure, there are, are many right now that, that feel like our nation is imploding spiritually, politically, morally, any other Lee you want to put in there. And, and clearly, there's a lot of evidence to that. But none of us understand the concept of what it means for our city to be physically destroyed, for our nation to be physically destroyed. We can't relate. So how did that happen to Jerusalem? Well, practically and physically, it was the work of the Babylonian armies. But ultimately, it was the hand of God keeping his word to bring justice through mercy. If you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, you have some kids in the family, you probably know the word umpteenth, right? Maybe the sentence went like this, for the umpteenth time, will you get your Paw Patrol toys out of the middle of the kitchen floor, right? We, we know the word umpteenth, right? And, and we're confused, right? It's like, Wait, am I speaking a different language? This was English, right? You heard me say, move the toys. Why am I having to tell you 10 times? We don't understand, do we? we we're confused. Why can't you just listen and get the toys? Well, for more than 40 years, God had been sending a message to his people. Through divinely inspired sermons, his message was going to the people, and his message was fairly simple. The message was, turn to me. As he did 300 years earlier, God said to the people, look, humble yourself, pray, seek after me, and turn from your sinful ways. But just like a little kid, they would not listen. They would not listen to God. They were super religious, very religious. They were even a little bit patriotic, but they were not repentant. They would not turn to God. They refused to obey him. They refused to listen to his message. They would not acknowledge their sin. They would not confess their sin. They would not repent of their sin. They would not lament over their sin. They were in defiant denial. But now they're lamenting. See, see everything changed. They purposely ignored God and now they're having to deal with the consequences of ignoring God and those consequences they actually invited by ignoring God so what about you is there some message that God has been sending you some clear message that he has been sending and and how are you responding to that message are you being defiantly denying 
Are you, are you existing in this state of, of defiant denial? Or maybe it's apathetic denial, you know? I mean, you're just, you're so busy with YouTube and Netflix and gaming and hunting and fishing and shopping and, and hobbies and sports and whatever else that it's not even crossing your mind that you're in denial toward God. Contrary to popular opinion, God is the kindest being in the universe. Why? Because his message never changes. That doesn't always happen with us, right? I mean, you know, when my kids were little, it was like, pick up your toys, you know? Now it's like, take care of the car, you know? Our, our message changes, you know? God's message never changes. He doesn't do anything different. His message stays the same. His message of mercy is humble yourself. Pray, seek me, and turn from your sinful ways. The message has never changed. I saw something this week that, that said that generally speaking, we seem to be the type of people that are saying, well, society is causing all of these problems while we forget we are society. Society is not those other people. Society is you. Society is me. We are society. He went on to say, you know, we seem to be the type of people that we demand change, but we're not willing to change. Somebody might say, well, that's not me. I'm not demanding change. I want things to stay just like they are. But that's demanding change. <laughs> that's basically you telling the world, I want you to stop moving forward so that things can be like I want them to be, even if how you want them to be is good and noble. My mom and dad are sneaking into their late 80s, and I think I just appreciate more and more how they handle so many things in life. Just like this past week, there was kind of a, a pretty major change in a part of what's been uh, their weekend for many, many, many years. And my mom's response to it was, well, time marches on. It's true, right? Time does march on. So your time is precious. My time is precious. And because our time is precious, here's a good question for us to consider again. Is God sending you a message? Is there a message that God is sending you? And are you in defiant denial of that message? Or are you humbling yourself? Are you praying? Are you seeking him? Are you turning from your sinful way? The people of God... We're not. You know, it's interesting. We, we tend to demand that the people in the White House and the people in the State House and even the people in the Church House, we demand that they do the right thing, that they change their ways. How are we doing in our own house? How's our own house doing when it comes to changing our ways, to doing the right thing? The people of God... They wouldn't look in their own house. They wouldn't look in their own house. They wouldn't look in the church house. They refuse to listen to God. They refuse to listen to his message. They refuse to change their ways. And now they're dealing with the consequences of that. And the prophet calls them to action. Listen to verse 19. Arise, cry aloud in the night at the beginning of the night watches. This is great. So when normal people are going to sleep, he says, I want you to start praying. I want you to start lamenting. What is lamenting? Well, 
It's, it's not just crying. Mark Vergop says this, crying is human, lamenting is Christian. Lamenting, as we have seen in recent weeks and, and already said, is it's a turning to God. It's complaining to God. It's asking God, and it's trusting God. It is this overwhelming movement toward God. So, is there anything that you've lamented about this past week or anything you need to lament about this coming week? Maybe something with your spouse, something with your parents, something with your kids, maybe something with your neighbor, maybe something at school or work or church or the ballpark. Is there something in your life that needs this turning to God? What about things in our nation and in the world? Have you lamented over the state of things in our nation, lamented over things in the world? We, we, we would say, oh yeah, I am. But, but listen, lamenting is not whining. Lamenting is not ranting. Lamenting is not getting on social media and posting and reposting rude or sarcastic memes and quotes about politicians or doctors. Lamenting is when we, before God, say, God, have mercy on the president, on the senators, on the pastors, on the council people, on the doctors, on the entertainers, on the athletes. No. Lamenting is when first and most we before God say, God have mercy on me, a sinner. When Jesus told the story, it wasn't the church guy on the stage looking good in front of the world that was praised. It was the tax collector beating his chest down on the floor saying, God, have mercy on me. Who are we today, believers? Are we beating our chest on the stage or are we beating our chest in humility saying, God, have mercy on me? Lamenting is crying out to God, God, you are God and there is no other. Lamenting is, is praying in such a way that we say, God, I don't exist apart from you. God, I don't have the next breath without you. Lamenting is being beautifully desperate for God. So just looking back over the last five, seven days, have you had a moment where you were beautifully desperate for God a moment where you turn to God in a way that you don't normally turn to God the prophet is poetically calling the church going people to lament to cry out and turn to God and then he says this verse 19 pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord lift up your hands to him Listen, it's super good to get advice from, from your church staff or from Christian friends, even, you know, advice from non-Christian friends over practical things. It's great to get advice. But let me encourage you, be very careful about pouring your heart out on social media. And here's why. No one on social media loves you like God loves you. No one on social media cares for you like God cares for you. How do I know that? Well, 30 years after Jesus was brutally crucified and gloriously resurrected, the Apostle Paul was writing a church leader named Titus. 
And he was writing to him, and in his beginning of his letter, he said, this is kind of the fuel of why I'm writing to you. This, this is what's behind my letter. This is what he said, Titus 1-2. I'm writing in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. Before the foundations of the world, or as someone has put it, outside of time, inside of time, and beyond time, God made a way for you to have the hope of eternal life. God loved you enough and cared for you enough before time began to give you the hope of eternal life. Where, how, in and through Jesus Christ. The story of Jesus is not some fairy tale from the ancient and Greek Roman world. No, the story of Jesus is the greatest hope for your soul. It's the greatest hope for who you are, and that hope was given before anyone ever breathed a breath on this planet. So pour your heart out to the God who loved you before the foundations of the world. Pour your heart out to the God that loved you before your grandparents existed. And not just pour your heart out to God. The prophet says, lift up your hands to God. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's not talking about lifting up your hands when you're singing a song in church. It's, it's a different picture. Think of what we see on, on Saturdays and Sunday night, Monday night and Thursday night and, and other times when we're watching professional or college sports. What do we see when somebody scores something? What do they do? They run over in the corner of the stadium or over in front of the camera. They look up at the fans, and what do they do? They beat their chest a few times, and they throw their arms out to their side, right? Throw their arms out. Hey, 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 looky, 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 look at me. Look what I just did. Look, I just did this, yeah. Lifting up your hands here is not lifting them out so people can see you, but, but lifting them up, and that's, that's different. It's not lifting your hands in a way that people in the church or in a stadium see you. It's more you being alone with God, and, and you lift up your hands in a way to say, I have nothing without you. It's a way of us denying ourselves and acknowledging the greatness of God. Acknowledging Him as the ultimate supreme being of the universe and acknowledging Him as our ultimate hope in life and in death. Lifting up your hands is different. So when was the last time you lifted up your hands like that? When was the last time you lifted up your hands and emptied out your pride and embraced the power of God? When was the, the last time that you prayed in such a way that, that you didn't just pray about health issues and you, you didn't just pray about political frustrations, but you lifted your hands and you prayed, God, have mercy on me, sinner. Do you want things to change in our nation? Do you? Do you want things to change in our nation? Do you want things to change in our world? Well, God says it starts with you. It doesn't start in the White House. It starts in your house. It starts in my house. This is God's message. It's his only message. It's his ultimate message.
Humble yourself. Pray. Turn to him. And turn away from your sinful ways. It's his message. Turn to God. Complain to God. Ask God. Trust God. It's his message. It's his message for the world. It's his message for America. It's his message for our church. And it's his message for you. This is God's message. The prophet calls the people to lift their hands to God, to cry out to God, to pour their heart out to God. And why did they need to do that? Verse 19. For the life of your little ones who are faint because of hunger at the head of every street. They should lift up their hands and pour their heart out to God, cry out to God, because people were starving. People were, were devastated, even children. This, this was the picture that was in Jerusalem. And look, this isn't an infomercial for some world health organization, some world charity organization. Listen to what verse 20 says. See, O Lord, and look with whom have you dealt thus? You know one of the greatest blessings in life is being in Target and you're with your kid or your grandkid and they get a little fussy, you know? Start pouting, start crying, maybe start arguing, a little, little bit of a temper tantrum. And the blessing is when some complete and total stranger steps over to you and feels the need to lecture you on adulting and parenting and grandparenting. Isn't that just great? Isn't that special? And isn't that, that, just, that just blesses your heart, right? God is not carrying out justice and judgment on strangers and target. These are his people called by his name. And they were suffering their rejection of God. They were suffering because they refused to listen to the message. They refused to turn to God. And what kind of suffering are we talking about? Verse 20. Hang on to your, your hats here for a second. Should women eat their offspring, the little ones who were born healthy? Should priest and prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? On the ground in the streets lie young and old. My virgins and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered, not sparing. You called as in the day of an appointed feast my terrors on every side. And there was no one who escaped or survived in the day of the Lord's anger. Those whom I bore and reared, my enemy annihilated them. How about that for the end of a poem, right? We got cannibalism, murder, and annihilation. There's not a lot of hymns in the hymn book based on these verses, all right? A little different. There's not a lot of songs that we sing about, about these kind of verses in the Bible. But these verses are in the Bible on purpose. They are a kind reminder that God keeps his word and that justice will be served. Whatever you're mad about today, whatever you're angry about, whatever hell in a handbasket moment you're having in your mind, please understand justice will be served. Either in and through the cross of Jesus Christ or in everlasting death in hell. 
This is how Jesus spoke consistently. And this is the message we hear from the Bible. Justice will be served through the cross or through separation from God forever. So how do we respond to that, right? How do, how do we respond to these, these hard verses in the Bible, these historic realities that happened about 600 years before Mary and Joseph and the baby in Bethlehem? What, what do we do with these things? Well, here's how we respond. We respond to these things in the same way that we respond to anything and everything else in life. We pour out our heart to God. We lift our hands to God because we realize on the good days and the bad days our ultimate real true lasting hope is always and only in God and God alone he's our hope so what's the the one thing we can do when our our minds are thumping with anger What's the one thing that we can do when our eyes are, are weeping with tears? What's the one thing we can do when our hearts are, are racing with anxiety? What's the one thing we can do when our mouths are gaping over hard verses in the Bible? We can pour out our heart to God. And we can lift our hands to God because he is our The psalmist said in Psalm 121, I will lift my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. What's that look like in real life? Benita Reisner has something that's known as post-polio syndrome. The symptoms are varied and they, they come and go. About four years ago, she was dressing first thing in the morning and suddenly her arms gave out and quit working. Wasn't even nine o'clock yet and her, her whole day was full of, of frustration and anger and devastation. Ever had a day like that? Before nine o'clock one morning, have you ever had everything fall apart? Maybe that happened to you this morning. We're glad you're here. Glad you're watching online too. So what did she do? She cried out to God and this is what she said. God, I can't live like this for the rest of my life. I just can't do it. Ever been there? Ever prayed a prayer like that before? Either because of our sin or because of situations in life, we will find ourselves in moments that are hard and difficult and tragic. And don't miss this scene. She cried out to God. She poured her heart out to God. But she could not lift her hands to God. The message from heaven will never change for the hardest moments in life. The message from heaven will never change for the most stressful, frustrating, angering moments in life. The most devastating moments in life. The message is still the same turn to God, complain to God, ask God, trust God, humble yourself, pray, seek his face, and turn from your sinful ways. It's a good and kind and powerful message, and it can change the world because it's God's purpose to change it 
through that message. This is what Benitha said. My pain and my strength ebb and flow daily, so I often don't know what to expect until I get out of bed. But even when the day holds suffering, I am comforted to know that God is not calling me to live with this pain and this weakness for the rest of my life. And then she said this, he is just calling me to live with it today. Just, just today. Why? But why today? Here's why. Because tomorrow morning, his mercies will be new. Every morning, his mercies will be new. Five seconds from now, his mercies will be new. And dear Christian, this is why we don't lose our minds. This is why our, our stress does not completely crush us. Our fear does not crush us. Our worry, our anger, our frustration, this is why it doesn't crush us. Because there is coming a day when God's mercies will be new and they will be new forever. His mercies will never end. And because that's true, all is well. All is well. Everything can be terrible. Everything can be falling apart. I had that day this week, did you? where it all went wrong for six hours straight. I had that day, did you? But in the middle of it all going wrong, because Jesus is Lord, because Jesus is on the throne, and because before the foundations of the world, God sent the hope of eternal life to me and to you. In Christ, all is well, because his mercies are new over and over again let us lift our eyes to the hills for our help comes from God